My name is John. I'm the lead pastor. Uh, so glad you guys are here. Uh, so here is a handful of verses and some phrases that I really love uh, that are foundational uh, for me in my life and really are foundational for not just this series, although definitely that, uh, but really for this whole adventure that we've called Christ Church Albany over the almost 10 years, which is pretty crazy. Uh, so here's some of those verses. Uh, this is, uh, the Great Commission it says, therefore... Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. Uh, then a little bit later uh, in Acts, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the very ends of the earth. And then in a letter that uh, Paul wrote to a church in Corinth, he said, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. Uh, and then this from Jesus. He said, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these. Uh, and then here's a couple phrases. These aren't scripture, but they're close to the same idea. You're the only Jesus that some will ever see. Uh, or maybe you've heard this one before. That you are the hands and feet of Jesus. Uh, and lastly, the local church is God's plan A. And I love that idea. Uh, I believe that we have a God that desperately cares about the world. He desperately cares about every single person. And he desperately wants them to know that they are loved. He wants them to know that there is a God and that this God loves them. Uh, that some of them, maybe that they have... All they've ever heard about is a misrepresented, warped view of what God is like as this angry, judgmental, and God so much wants to change that in them. He wants them to know about the life that he lived 2,000 years ago and the invitation that they can live in that same kind of life too. God cares about the folks that are waking up this morning that are lonely and just need somebody else in their life. God cares about people that don't have enough food. God cares about people that are growing up in inadequate or no housing. God cares about people that are struggling with their own bias and racism. God cares about the issues of this world and the way in which he has decided that he wants to go about bringing love and showing that is through a group of witnesses, through a group of ambassadors, by sending you and I. Uh, and this is very central to what we've talked about for 10 years, is that this is what we believe church is. Church is not an, a building, it is not an organization, it is not a service. A church is a group of people that are sprinkled all around. And what we've been talking about for the last few weeks is that each of us have different people in our lives. People that we work with, people that we live with, people that we're in relationship with, people that we run with, that we play board games with, that we walk our dogs with, uh, people that we like, people that we don't like. We have all these different people in our lives, and God loves every single one of them, and God has chosen that he wants to use 
us to try to reach them. And the way in which we've been talking about that God wants to reach them is through this rhythm of us living called bless. That we want to live this life where we are just regularly praying for the people in our world. We're just, it's just natural. We're just always just in the people as we see them, as we think about them, we are praying for them. That we are taking time to listen to people, not just talking at people, but actually really listening to what's really going on in their life. To eat with people, to serve people, to share our stories of how God has been doing things in our lives. And we want every single one of us to be doing this. And I believe that if we were to actually go and do this, it would make a dramatic impact in your neighborhood, in your house, on your street, in your school, in your office, that a group of people actually living this way could change everything. And I'm guessing that for many of us, when we hear that, I hope there's like a, yeah, that, that would be a really cool thing. But I bet there's also a but. <laughs> uh, and the buts are maybe a couple. Uh, yeah, the first but is that, yeah, that sounds good, um, but like, I, I'm going to pray for people. I want to eat with people. I want to listen to people. I want to care about my neighbors. But like, I just have so much going. I mean, I, I have work and I have school and I got to sit with my kids and like, we start a little league and oh, and like, we just like, we got our summer plans and we just, we got so much stuff going on that like, I mean, I'll try to like help out when I can, but like, I'm just so like, I just don't know how much time I can really commit to this. Uh, and after all, like, isn't this your job, John? Like, aren't you like the professional Christian and like you like are going to organize, you know, like you, we're going to do some movie nights and we're going to like do some things in the community and like, you know, like you can like say, and, and we'll help out when we can, we'll volunteer, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll give some money, but like, it, isn't that what we pay you to do? <laughs> or maybe kind of on a bigger picture, isn't this, isn't this God's job? I mean, I, if we worship this God that's like, so big and so strong and like I mean if God cares about lonely people like shouldn't God just like make them not like if God is that worried about people not having enough food like I mean you're God like come on let's let's get on the ball here dude if you're that worried about everybody knowing who you are like just make yourself more obvious like if you wanted to take care of this God couldn't you take care of this and I totally get that Here's what I want to talk about today uh, as we talk about this idea of blessing uh, is, yes, I believe as we live out these blessed rhythms, uh, you can go to that one, I believe that it will have a dramatic impact on the world around us. I believe that if all of us decided to step up our level of regularly praying for people, listening to people, taking time to eat with people, serve with people, take that risk of sharing that story in your life, I believe it would have a massive influence. I think you would start to see just the kingdom of God come in your school, in your office. It would make a big, big difference. And if you start to live these out, it will make a big difference in you. Look at that guy. The part of the reason of why God wants us to live out these rhythms is not just because it'll make an influence on the world out there, but it's because it will make an influence on us. Uh, I want to look at a, a, a quote today. We'll look at a bunch of scripture too. Uh, this is one of my favorite quotes by a guy named Reggie McNeil. I heard him speak this almost 20 years ago. Uh, he says that Jesus doesn't get work done through you. 
Jesus wasn't just like, I, I got to get some, I, I got to figure out, all, I got all these things in the world to do. If I can just get some people to do it, then we can finally get these things done. No, God could do it himself. He gets you done through work. The part of the reason why he wants us to be about this is because of something that's going to happen in us. And this is God's story from the whole beginning, is yes, we worship a God that is very big, very strong. God doesn't need anything. Uh, I love what it says here in Acts. This is a sermon that Paul preached. He says, the God who made the world and everything in it, the Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples built by human hands, and he is not served by human hands as if he needed any. God could do it all himself, but he has chosen not to. Instead, Jesus' last words on earth, he said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. We do this with the power of the Holy Spirit. But you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And then, whoop, he left. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes on a cloud before him, on a cloud, and a cloud hid him from their sight. And the reason why he, did, why he left them to do the work and he left wasn't because he was like, ah, I'm, I'm tired, I've been preaching, I've been doing these miracles, it's your guys' time, like, I'm going to delegate this, like, I'm, I'm going to retire, you guys got this now. Part of the reason of why Jesus wanted us to be the ones being the witnesses, us being the ambassadors, is because Jesus doesn't just get work done through you. He gets you done through work. And this is really along the lines of what we talk about all the time in here. It's this idea of discipleship. That what we're trying to do as a church is all these rhythms, services, community groups, uh, daily offices, Sabbath, generosity, none of them are unto themselves. They're all about, as we start to live out these things, they will help to create in us something that is changing us from the inside out so that we can actually become like Jesus. Jesus wants us to live in his way, live with him, live in his presence. And part of the way that God wants to change who we are into a reflection of who he is, is through service and through all these other activities. Uh, And so to talk about this today, uh, we're going to look at Again, through Reggie McNeil uh, wrote this book uh, called Get Off Your Donkey, which is a fantastic title uh, for a book. Uh, he wrote this in 2013, which is the same year that we started as a church, and I love this book. Uh, the whole book, it's 11.29 on uh, Amazon, so go ahead and order it now, 8.99 if you like Kindle, so go ahead and order it, fantastic book. Uh, the whole idea in the book is he's going through the story of the Good Samaritan. Some of you have heard that story before. Uh, it's a story about this guy, the, the Samaritan, the Good Samaritan, who saw somebody in need. And, part, and then what he did is he got off of his donkey, literally and figuratively, and he went and he helped this person. And how the whole story begins of the story of the Good Samaritan is this. It says, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. He said, teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And as we've talked about, he's not asking, how do I get to heaven someday? He's asking, how do I experience that that life right here, right now, where I just feel like I have purpose, like this matters, how I can feel just like joy deep down? How do I get that? 
And Jesus answers him by telling the story of the Good Samaritan and saying part of how you're going to get eternal life is when you help other people, it's not only going to help them, it's going to do something on the inside of you too. Uh, and throughout the book, uh, Reggie does a whole bunch of different things about not only why we should help other people, but how it affects us. Uh, and so quickly, I want to go through just a couple of the things through the book that he talks about of how when we serve other people, it helps us. Uh, so the first is that it will give us better connection with people. Uh, and so if you have taken time over the last few weeks, uh, and if you haven't, then uh, no shame. You can take one home today. You can start to fill it out. I encourage you to take and think about all of the people that are in your world. And here's my guess as you think through those people. There's maybe a few of them that you know pretty well. But there's a lot of those folks that if you're honest, you don't really, like, you might know their name. There might be some of your neighbor's coworkers where you don't, maybe you don't even know their first name or you don't know their last name, you don't know their middle name. You definitely don't know their birthday unless it shows up on your Facebook. Uh, you, you don't know what, what's really going on in life. You don't know what's stressing them out. You don't know what they're excited about. You don't know what their childhoods were like. There's a lot. You, you don't really have that close of a connection with them. And yet at the same time, one of the biggest issues for many people in America, for many of us, is that we have this feeling of like, I feel a little alone and a little isolated. I just feel like I don't have that many close friends. I feel like I don't have that many people who really know the real me, that last 10, 15, 20%. And most people in your circles don't really know a whole group of people. And the reason for that, all me included, is because we are self-centered. We're, we're kind of focused on ourselves and our own life. And I get this work and I got my grocery thing and I got my kids. And one of the things that will happen as you start to intentionally start to live out these blessed rhythms, is you will find that you are starting to get better connected. You will know more about the people in your world. And as you know more about the people in your world, it will take away some of your self-centeredness. You'll be more other-centered, and you will have deeper friendships. And so one of the reasons why you should live out these blessed rhythms is because you need better friends. You need more friends. Some of you just need friends. By serving other people, it will be a pathway that God has created for us to develop deeper relationships with the people that we live with. Uh, the next thing uh, that it will do is it will point out our need for transformation. Uh, I love this. Nothing accelerates self-awareness like efforts to help others. Uh, there's a part of this, especially for me, that like when I think about serving people and loving people and getting to know my neighbors in my head, it's pretty romantic, you know, of like, oh, I'm going to get involved. I'm going to start going down to this neighborhood. And I'm going to start serving and helping out down there. And I'm going to get to know my neighbors. And we're going to start doing dinners and barbecues together. And I'm going to get to know my coworkers. And we're going to start having like happy hour. We're, we're gonna, I'm really going to get to know people. And then you actually start to get to know people. And people can be a little bit people-y. People are annoying. People have intricacies. They have some awkwardness. There's like... It, it, all of a sudden, it starts to break down like, man, like working with people is pretty difficult. Uh, and serving other people, we are brought face to face with our motivations, our limitations, our likes and dislikes, our biases and prejudice, our strengths, our dark sides, our passions, our weaknesses, our boundaries, a whole range of self-awareness issues. Because I start to get to know people, I get a little bit annoyed, and then in a moment of Holy Spirit, starts to shine a light back on me of why am I so annoyed at that neighbor when they do that? Like, oh, it's because there's something 
in me. Why is it I'm so frustrated? I just can't help them. I wanted to come in. I thought I'd volunteer for a couple weeks, and this issue would be solved. And I, I realize my limitations. And the more that I start to get involved in other people, it shows my own biases, my own limitations, my own racism, my own, the things that are dark inside of me, that if I'm just living amongst myself and my own little friends, I can think of myself as I'm very patient, I'm very kind, I'm a great person. It's these other people in the world. And as I start to get to know other people and really get involved in their lives, I realize I'm not as patient as I want to be. I'm not as accepting as I want to be. I'm not as helpful as I want to be. And it really kind of shines a light on my need for how much I need God to change me and how much I need his power to be a part of the change. Uh, The next thing uh, that it does when we really get involved is being blessed as a people of blessing. Uh, That when you are active and really blessing other people, you really come alive. There's something inside you that just gives you like, this is like how we're supposed to live. Uh, And I'm sure all of us have some sort of, I hope, an example of that. Uh, One great example of that uh, was two weeks ago. uh, Some of you got to participate. Uh, My wife turned 40, so she's like super old now. Uh, And as a part of her 40th birthday, she's in kids. It's fine. You guys are going to be quiet. It's fine. Uh, I'm older. It's good. And so as part of her birthday, she decided that she wanted to leverage her 40th birthday to be able to help kids in Guatemala. So we've been serving in the same uh, village for uh, almost 13 years now, which is pretty crazy. And so we wanted to help provide meals for the kids that we love so much in that family. And so she got this idea that we were going to provide 40,000 meals. And so she got 100 of her friends together in this room, and we packed 40,000 meals in about two and a half hours, and then we put it in a truck, and then that'll go to a container. Container will go on a ship. Ship will go to Guatemala, and then it'll get unpacked, and then those kids will have food to eat. And as I talked to folks while we were at the event, as I talked to folks after the event, one of the reoccurring things were, oh, this is one of the best days that I've had in so long. Really? You woke up early on a Saturday morning, and you did kind of a mindless task of putting rice in a bag and, like, But there's something about when you know you are making someone else's life better, that it makes you come alive. Uh, Similar to that, Uh, next one, Uh, self-discovery, that as you start to really start to bless other people, then you will discover your life mission. Uh, So I'm sharing two of my favorite uh, quotes today. So the first quote with the Regiment Neal one, uh, uh, God doesn't get work done through you. Uh, God gets you done through work. Uh, This is one of my other favorite quotes uh, that I've said, I don't know, at least a dozen times or so in different sermons. This is from Donald Miller. He says, if you watched a movie about a guy who wanted a Volvo, that's his dream, and worked for years to get it, you wouldn't cry at the end when he drove off the lot testing the windshield wipers. I can't believe he finally got it. You wouldn't tell your friends you saw a beautiful movie or go home and put a record on and think about the story you'd seen. The truth is, you wouldn't remember that movie a week later, except you'd feel robbed and you'd want your money back. Nobody cries at the end of a movie about a guy who wants a Volvo. But we spend years actually living those stories and expect our lives to be meaningful. The truth is, if we want If we choose to do with our lives won't make a story meaningful, it won't make a life meaningful either. And there's too many of us who were trying to get this degree, and I'm I'm going to save up money to buy a house, and I'm going to get this promotion at work, and at the end of the day, we just have this feeling like, I just, 
isn't there more to life than just this daily grind? But one of the things that you will learn as you start to live out this rhythm of blessing is that, yes, you were created to make a difference in the world. And you will find that your life becomes way more meaningful when you are actually doing why God put you on this earth. You were not created just to make some widgets at work and make some money and invest in the market. And You were created to make a difference in the world around you. Uh, and the last two. Uh, you will have accelerated spiritual growth. Serving other people is the quickest way to grow spiritually. It is the path to discipleship applauded by Jesus and his command that we should love our neighbors as ourselves. Uh, and closely related to that is the last one, is you will find God. So here's my suggestion for you in your search for God. Get outside. Get in the streets. You might or you might not meet God at church, but you are guaranteed to run into him where people need him desperately. God says that he is among the broken and the lonely and the lost, that whatever you did for the least of these, you also did it for me. If you want to find God, if you want God to start to move in your life, if you want your dependence on prayer, your dependence on, like, I, I need to know more about the scripture, start to get involved in getting to really know and love and bless the people around you. It will accelerate your spiritual growth more than almost anything else. And again, many of us can attest to this because we've been doing many of the other rhythms, maybe for a long time. We've been coming to services. Maybe we've been coming to a group. Maybe we've been giving money. Maybe we've even read our Bible and prayer, but we still feel like there's, a, there's, there's this lack of something that I just don't really feel like I'm a part of what God is really doing. And maybe it's because you've never taken that risk to start to live out these rhythms of actually saying, I'm, I'm just going to start praying for my neighbors on a regular basis. And when I see them out in the yard, I, I'm just going to, I'm going to make time. I don't have, I'm going to make time. I'm going to listen to them. I'm going to start inviting people over for dinner. I'm going to find a way. I've seen that, that lady on my street, the person at work. I know they could use a hand. I'm going to serve them. And I, I got some things in my life that I think are pretty powerful. And I've never, most of my coworkers, I've never told them about it. I've ne I'm going to start sharing some of my stories. I think it will accelerate your spiritual growth in a really, really big way. Uh, all right. Uh, now I want to read a, a Bible story to you guys that I think really does a great job of illustrating this whole idea of how God wants to use us as witnesses to bless other people, to really make a difference in other people's lives, but how God wants to shine that back on us. Uh, so this is going to take a little bit to read it. I'll try not to talk too, too fast, um, but I think this is a great story. So this is from Acts. This is um, a story about a guy named Peter. You've probably heard of Peter. He was one of the disciples. Uh, he was one of the leaders in the early church at this point. He had the Holy Spirit inside of him, uh, really had a lot of things going for him. But like all of us, he had some things that needed to be worked out on him still. Uh, he was not totally discipled into Christ-likeness yet. And particularly, he had a few biases towards other people, uh, maybe you could even call it he's a little bit racist, a little nationalistic, and really wasn't, you know, totally his fault. I mean, it was some of his, his upbringing, you know, but it was still there. It was kind of an ugly 
part of his life. And so this is a story about Peter, and so we'll read through the whole thing. Uh, I'm going to encourage you to read it a couple times over the next couple weeks, and then when you gather together in your groups next week, we're going to talk a lot about this, so make sure you're in part of the group next week. Uh, but here's what it says. It says, there was a man named Cornelius uh, who lived in Caesarea, and he was the captain of the Italian guards. This guy is a Roman soldier, uh, and that day the, the Jewish nation was very much oppressed by the Roman Empire. And so if there was a bad guy, if you were a Jewish person, it was the Roman Empire. And in particular, it was these Roman soldiers that were making life a living hell for you. And this guy was kind of ahead of the army, like enemy number one. Uh, but he was a thoroughly good man. So you're already kind of like breaking. Worst guy ever. How can a Roman soldier be a good guy? I, it's just like a, this was like a paradigm explosion for Peter. He had led everyone in his house to live worshipfully before God, was always helping people in need, and had the habit of prayer. One day, about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, he had a vision. All good things begin with prayer. An angel of God, as real as his next-door neighbor, came in and said, Cornelius. Cornelius started, stared hard, wondering if he, if he was seeing things. Then he said, what do you want, sir? The angel said, your prayers and neighborly acts have brought you to God's attention. Here's what you are to do. Prayer leads you to action. Send men to Joppa to get Simon, the one everyone calls Peter. So he has kind of two names. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is down by the sea. As soon as the angel was gone, Cornelius called the two servants and the one particularly devout soldier from the guard, and he went over with them in great detail everything that had just happened, and then he sent them off to Joppa, uh, about 30 miles. The next day, as the three travelers were approaching the town, Peter went out on the balcony to pray. All good things begin with prayer. It was about noon, and Peter got hungry, as you do, and started thinking about lunch. And so if you like, feel like you're distracted in prayer, you're not alone. Peter's going up to pray. He's like, I'm hungry. Yeah, cool. Uh, while lunch was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the skies open up, and something looked like a huge blanket lowered down by ropes at its four corners settled on the ground. And every kind of animal and reptile and bird you can think of was on it. Then a voice came, go to it, Peter, kill and eat. Peter said, oh no, Lord, I've never so much as tasted food that was not kosher. I've been instructed my whole life not to eat food that was kosher. The Bible tells me not to eat food that is not kosher. And the voice came a second time. If God says it's okay, it's okay. Who are you going to trust more? This happened three times, and then the blanket was pulled up and up into the skies. As Peter puzzled, sat there trying to figure out what it all meant, the door sent by the door the men the men sent by Cornelius showed up at Simon's front door. They called in, asking if there was a Simon, also called Peter, staying there. Peter was lost in thought and didn't hear them, so the spirit whispered to him, "Hey Peter, three men are knocking at your door, looking for you. Get down there and go with them. Don't ask any questions. I sent them to get you." Prayer leads to obedience. Peter went down and said to them, I think I'm the man you're looking for. What's up? It's in scripture. Who knew? You're quoting scripture all these years. They said, 
Captain Cornelius, a God-fearing man, well-known for his fair play, ask any Jew in this part of the country, was commanded by a holy angel to get you and bring you to his house so that he could hear what you had to say. Peter invited them in and made them feel at home. The next morning, he got up and went with them. Some of his friends from Joppa went along. A day later, they entered Caesarea, and Cornelius was expecting them and had his relatives and close friends waiting for him. The minute Peter came through the door, Cornelius was up on his feet greeting him and then down on his face worshiping. And Peter pulled him up, no, 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 none of that. I'm a man, only a man, no different from you. This happens to many of you, I'm sure. Uh, Talking things over, they went on into the house where Cornelius introduced Peter to everyone who would come, and Peter addressed them. You know, I'm sure, that this is highly irregular. Jews people like me, of my race, of my tradition. We don't just do this, visit and relax people of another race. Uh, We don't go to your neighborhood. We don't go to your house. Well, we, we don't eat food like you guys eat food. But God has just shown me that no race is better than any other. So the minute I was sent for, I came. No questions asked. Prayer leads to obedience. But now I'd like to know Why have you sent for me? Cornelius said, well, four days ago at about this time in mid-afternoon, I was home praying, and suddenly there was a man right in front of me flooding the room with light, and he said, Cornelius, your daily prayers and neighborly acts have brought you to God's attention. I want to send you to Joppa to get Simon, the one they call Peter. He's staying with Simon uh, the Tanner down by the sea. So I did it, because prayer leads to obedience, we hope. I sent for you, and you've been good enough to come, and now we're all here in God's presence, ready to listen to whatever the master put in your heart to tell us. Do you have any stories that you would like to share with us? Peter just fairly exploded with this good news. It's God's own truth. Nothing could be plainer. God plays no favorites. It makes no difference who you are, what neighborhood you came, or where you're from. If you want God and are ready to do as he says, turns out the door is open. The message he sent to the children of Israel that through Jesus Christ, everything is being put together again. Well, he's doing it and everywhere, among everyone. You know the story of what happened to Judea. It began in Galilee after John the Baptist preached a total life change. Then Jesus arrived from Nazareth, anointed by God with the Holy Spirit, ready for action. He went through the country, helping people and healing everyone who was beaten down by the devil. He was able to do all this because God was with him. And we saw it. Saw it all. Everything he did in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, where they killed him, hung him from a cross, but in three days, God had him up, alive, and out, and out where he could be seen. Not everyone saw him. He wasn't put on public display, but witnesses had been carefully handpicked by God beforehand. Us, we saw him. We were the ones there to eat and drink with them after he had come back from the dead. He had commissioned us to announce this in public, to bear solemn witness that he is in fact the one whom God destined as judge of the living and the dead. But we're not alone in this. Our witness that he is the means to forgiveness of sins is backed up by the witnesses of all. We are sent by God to be witnesses. 
No sooner were these words out of Peter's mouth than the Holy Spirit came on the listeners. The believing Jews who had come with Peter couldn't believe it, and they couldn't believe that the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out on the outsider. Can you believe that God is this big and this loving, even to the non-Jews? But there it was. They heard them speaking in tongues, heard them praising God. Then Peter said, Do I hear any objections to baptizing these friends with water? They've received the Holy Spirit exactly as we did. Hearing no objections, he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay on for a few days. The news of all this traveled fast. And in no time, the leaders and friends back in Jerusalem heard about this, heard about the non-Jewish outsiders were now in. And you think this would be good news. When Peter got back to Jerusalem, some of his old associates, concerned about circumcision, as many people are, called him out on the carpet. What do you think you're doing rubbing shoulders with that crowd? Warning, if you start to live out the pattern of really blessing other people, some people, often from church settings, won't like the people that you've decided to start hanging out with. Eating what is prohibited and ruining our good name. So Peter, starting from the beginning, laid it out from them step by step. Here we go again. Recently, I was in the town of Joppa and I was praying. All good things start with prayer. I fell into a trance and saw a vision. Something like a huge blanket lowered by ropes and its four corners came down out of heaven and settled on the ground in front of me. Milling around on the blanket were farm animals, wild animals, reptiles, birds, all the stuff we heard in church you're not supposed to eat, you name it, was there. Fascinated, I took it all in. Then I heard a voice, go to it, Peter, kill and eat, I said. Oh no, master, I've never so much as tasted food that wasn't kosher. The voice spoke again, if God says it's okay, it's okay. This happened three times, and then the blanket was pulled back into the sky. Just then, three men showed up at the house where I was staying, sent from Caesarea to get me. The Spirit told me to go with them, no questions asked, so I went with them. Obedience. I and six friends to the man who had sent from me. He told us how he had seen an angel right in his own house, real as his next-door neighbor, saying, send a job and get Simon, the one they call Peter. He'll tell you something that will save your life. In fact, you and everyone you care for. So I started in, talking before I had spoken, half a dozen sentences. The Holy Spirit, this wasn't about me talking. The Holy Spirit fell on them just as he did on us for the first time. And I remembered, this wasn't new information. But as he went through this experience, something clicked and I remembered oh, Jesus' words that John baptized with water, and you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So I ask you, if God gave the same exact gift to them as to us when we believed in the Master Jesus Christ, how could I object to God? Hearing it all laid out like that, they quieted down, and then as it sank in, they started praising God. It's really happened. God has broken through to the other nations, opened them up to life. As Peter was praying, and he went on this adventure, for certain, 
that had massive effect on Cornelius and his family, and really to the end. What Peter did that day mattered so much for the people he did it with, he did it for. But how much did that experience of listening and obeying and blessing and eating, how much did that change Peter? How much all of a sudden did all those things that he had heard Jesus say, all of a sudden they clicked in a whole new way? How much more did he see his dependence on what God said as the most important thing over tradition or religion or anything else? This experience was needed because Cornelius needed it and Peter needed it. Uh, So as we go on with this next week, here's my encouragement. Uh, I would love for you to take this sheet, if you haven't already, and fill it out with some people. And I would encourage you to start figuring out what does it look like for you to live a rhythm of blessing. How can you start to pray with them? Is there a, a, a time when you wake up in the morning, when you go to lunch, as you're driving to work? Do you have a few moments in the day that you can set apart as a time where you're going to pray for some people in your life? Can you make it a priority to free up enough time, which is what it is for most of us, that we can really listen to the people around us? Uh, Making time to eat with people can be difficult, I know. Can you make some time to find a way to eat with some other people, to serve other people, to share your story? And if you start to do it, I have full confidence that it will have great effect for wherever God has put you, that God wants to use you to be his witness, his ambassador, and that that God's kingdom will be spread by the way in which you live. And as you start to do it, it will change you. You just look so happy there, Zach, and Andrew, too. I love this. As you start to live these things out, God will start to move inside of you. He will start to give you a bigger mission for your life. He will start to highlight some things that you need to change as you start to relate to other people. It will accelerate your spiritual growth. Do this for others. Do this for yourself. Uh, Let me pray. Uh, Jesus, thank you so much for being a God that is big enough that you, you could just snap your fingers and the world could be magically different. But that's, that's not the kind of, you want us to choose transformation and the world. And you want to transform us on the inside. You want to transform us to be patient and kind and forgiving and you, want, you want us to love other people like you love people. And that's not going to happen just by us listening to sermons. It's not going to happen by us just writing checks or attending religious services. It's when we start to follow you to love the rich and the powerful, the broken and the oppressed, the neighbors we really enjoy spending time with, the family member that drives us crazy. 
is you lead us into a life of blessing. You will use us in your great mission to show your love and blessing to everybody and you will change things inside of us. Change me. Change us.